Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. What's up? We are back on the NBS Fitness Radio podcast. I am here with Anna L. Uh, Evans. Anna is a pelvic floor PT with Mojo. So say hi. Hello. Awesome. Uh, just introduce yourself. Tell us uh, kind of your background and uh, what pelvic floor PT is, what Mojo is, all that. Yeah. Um, so like David said, my name is Anna Evans. I am a physical therapist. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I went to college at Mississippi State University. Go right, dogs! There you go. And then I came back to Memphis and went to PT school at UT Health Science Center downtown. Cool. Where'd you go to high school? Um, I was actually homeschooled in okay. high school. Hey, Shout Rocking out. I love it. Yeah. You're, you're a trendsetter because now that's a cool thing to do. I know. I was the first. Now y'all can all follow along. Um, so I am a physical therapist. Um, but I specialize in the pelvic floor. So pelvic floor specialists, we are doctors of physical therapy. We've gone through the regular PT training, but um, we do further training in the pelvic floor specialty. So basically after PT school, we take extra courses, extra classwork um, to become more uh, more of an expert in this specific area of the body. Did you know you're going to do that? Like um, prior to going into PT school or just kind of found that was your niche and what you're passionate about? Like when did you decide that was what you were going to do? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> figured out that was my niche during physical therapy school. Okay. So the more I learned about the body, the more I learned about the pelvic floor through different conferences that I went to, the more I realized that this is such an important area yeah. and such a needed um area of rehab but there are not many people who want to do this and it's really hard to find this care so and what so what's mojo mojo pelvic health um it's the company that i work for mojo is the combination of our founders last names so it's amy moses and then sarah lynn johnson um so we created or they created mojo pelvic health and the goal of mojo is basically to provide this service and to make it more accessible to a lot of people. So instead of having like And all one, y'all do is, is pelvic health. Yes, we can treat other parts of the body and we do sometimes, okay. but really our, our niche area, what we mainly treat is pelvic floor dysfunction. Okay. okay. Uh, so before we go down, uh, down that road of pelvic floor dysfunction is our curiosity. Is that something that is only found in women or do guys also sometimes have pelvic floor dysfunction? Great question. Um, guys also have pelvic floor dysfunction. Okay. So everyone has a pelvic floor, yeah. um, men, women, children, all ages. Um, we all have a pelvic floor. So everyone can have um, pelvic floor problems no okay. matter what age you are or what stage of life. So what would a pelvic floor um, problem look like? So what would be some symptoms that would that may trigger someone to say, I should probably see something, someone about this? Yeah. Um, so it could be urinary incontinence or leakage with sneezing, coughing, walking, standing up from your chair. Gotcha. Um, it could be hip or back pain that often is, um, because of pelvic floor dysfunction, tailbone pain, um, equal incontinence, constipation, pain with intercourse, Gotcha. all kinds of stuff. So anything kind of down in that area, like, man, just something doesn't seem right. Yes. Sometimes yeah. general pain that you can't figure out what's going on or obviously like some incontinence issues that should trigger like this, not the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. What are the, so if those are the symptoms. What are the typical causes? 
typically, so the causes are vast, but it can either be true weakness where the muscles are just very weak, mm-hmm. but often more, more often than that, we see that the muscles either lack coordination. So the muscles in the abdomen or the hips or the pelvic floor, they're not working together as they should. So that lack of coordination and communication with each other can cause dysfunction or pain. We also see a ton of problems when the muscles are too tight. And I think that's important for this population of people, especially who are working out a lot, who are running a lot or doing CrossFit, lifting a lot of weights. If your muscles are always too tight, that in itself can cause a host of issues, Hmm. Um, pain, incontinence, constipation, abdominal pain, all kinds of stuff. Okay, so what what kind of things are triggering those causes then? So, I mean, you can say, uh, obviously, um, consistent exercise would cause... uh, Maybe some over tightening of the muscles. Mm-hmm. What would cause um, maybe some weakness, some laxity, and or some lack of um, like neural control of those musculature or or um, <coughs> coordination? Yeah. Um, so any kind of surgery okay. in the abdominal, hip, back, pelvic area can cause some muscle dysfunction. Okay. Um, pregnancy and delivery. Um, pregnancy in itself can cause the muscles to become weak or dysfunctional, but then also delivery, whether it is a vaginal delivery or a C-section. Okay. Um, we also see a lot of problems with, um, with even young athletes who are for so many years running a ton or doing a ton of gymnastics or pounding their bodies for so many years without the proper training on rest or relaxation of those muscles, um, proper recovery times. Gotcha. So it, uh, it, what I'm getting is like the pelvic floor muscles aren't really that any different, different from other muscles. If you don't train them, yep. if yep. you overtrain them. Yes, exactly. If you have some type of, uh, injury or, uh, or, or, um, uh, acute stress to that, a stress to that area in the form of pregnancy, childbirth and or surgery, these are all trigger trigger points to say, like, this might cause some issues yes. that would pop up. And I will mention, too, um, something that we see a lot that causes pelvic floor dysfunction or problems with the muscles is stress. And that is something that you we often don't connect, like, oh, I'm stressed, or I have a lot of anxiety at work, or I've been so busy and uptight lately. We don't connect that usually mm-hmm. to the pain or yeah. the problems we're experiencing, but we see a huge correlation between stress or just like type A personalities mm-hmm. and problems in the pelvic, hip, low back area. Yeah. So maybe just like uh, an improper handling of stress or an over anxious uh, and, uh, life or whatnot, and it just is being displayed yes. in the pelvic floor. Typically, um, the tension that you feel within your upper traps, like if you feel like you have just tight shoulders or – um, headaches, or if you like grit your teeth a lot, yeah. you're often carrying that same tension yeah. or tightness within the pelvic floor. Okay. So talk about the pelvic floor and like where that is, what it is. Cause you just say pelvic floor. A lot of people go, well, I don't know what that is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the pelvic floor is basically a bowl or a hammock of muscles on the underside of our body. Yep. So the pelvis is kind of the, the center of gravity. Um, 
On the underside of the pelvis lies the pelvic floor muscles. The pelvic floor muscles, um, or the pelvic floor is made of a lot of different muscles and multiple layers of muscle spanning from the vaginal and the anal openings and then deeper in, and for men too, not a vaginal opening, but spanning from the outside and then deeper into the pelvic cavity. Okay. So all of those muscles... Again, we've talked a lot about coordination, but those muscles have to be coordinated and working together in order to help control bowel and bladder function, sexual function, supporting your organs, sending fluid throughout your body. Gotcha. Okay, so um, to help people have uh, an understanding, um, one way that I'll kind of describe the pelvic floor is if you think of like your abdominal area, like a cube, Mm -hmm. you've got your abdominal muscles towards the front, You've got your QL and your rectors on the back side. That's your lower back. You got your obliques on either other side. Yes. Your diaphragm sits on the top of this cube, and your pelvic floor is the bottom of that cube. Exactly. Yes. <clears throat> okay. And so the purpose of the pelvic floor is obviously to um, control some of those those organs down there, uh, whether it be sexual organs or 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 or, uh, or um, the anus. And then, what are some other functions? that the pelvic floor has? Yeah, so the pelvic floor, um, like you said, it helps to support your bowels and your bladder. So maintaining- They're holding them there. They're holding them there and also helping you maintain continence. So preventing you from having leakage issues. Those muscles also have to be able to relax to allow you to go to the bathroom when appropriate. Um, So sexual function as well um, for women being able to tolerate any kind of penetration, whether that is sexual activity or even a doctor's exam, those muscles have to be able to open up to allow that penetration. Um, These muscles are involved with pumping fluid throughout the body. So it acts, they act as like a sump pump. Okay. So pumping fluid, What what fluid specifically? Just blood? So blood, oxygen, nutrients, um, all of those things have to flow through the body in order for the tissues in that area to be healthy. Um, The pelvic floor also plays a huge role in core and back and hip stability. Yeah. Um, so that is one of the main functions, especially as we work with athletes, making sure yeah. that we're not just focusing on the pelvic floor muscles only, yeah. but also making sure the pelvic floor is working with the back and the hips and the core so that all those muscles are supportive of each other. Yeah. I think that um, as trainers and using that kind of cube, like, hey, like we got to have some balance between all these different parts of the cube, right? Yes. One part's off. We're going to have issues with stability, issues with, you know, uh, force transfer. Yes. And kind of going back to what you're saying, <clears throat> I'm trying to put it on to like layman's terms as best I can. But like like any other muscle, it needs to be able to relax and contract. Yes. If it can't relax, then we're going to have issues with, uh, you know, any type of um, sexual um, engagement or going to the doctor or whatnot. Yep. And if it can't contract, we're going to have issues with holding stuff in. So if it, if yes. it can't relax, things can't go in. And if uh, if we can't contract, we can't keep things in. Yes. There are maybe some layman terms for you. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's let me let's uh, let's maybe kind of segment this into pregnant women and and non-pregnant women. So just women in general, what are some things that they can do to be aware of or, or try to develop that? Um, to help probably prevent issues. Yeah. Um, and this is just in general, not necessarily pregnant or postpartum. How about I said, we're going to talk about them second. Okay. So I'm saying like okay, cool. women who aren't pregnant cool. or haven't okay. been gone through pregnancy. Yes. Um, 
what can they do to kind of say like, man, I, I kind of don't want to pee myself uh, even down the road. Uh, and I sure would like to, to be able to experience uh, sex in a pleasurable way. What are some things I can do to help prevent these things from coming down the, down the pike? Yes. Okay. So um, breathing is huge. We got to breathe to live, obviously. Yeah. But um, a lot of times when we breathe, we're breathing just down to our lungs and back out. Shorter, more shallow breaths. Breathing down into the lower abdomen and into the pelvic floor, taking time to really expand and breathe into those areas is huge and really helpful for preventing that muscle tension and spasm from building up. Okay. uh, So so learning how to take proper like diaphragmic breaths. Yes. How does that, how does that impact that pelvic floor? Is it because of the, the increased pressure against that, that pelvic floor is like teaching it to... Yeah, breathing. To coordinate properly? Yes, breathing improves the coordination of the pelvic floor. It even just improves our awareness of that area of the body. Um, As you're focusing on breathing deep into the abdomen or deep into the pelvic floor, you're thinking about those areas. You're bringing awareness to what you're feeling in those areas. Um, It's also, that in itself helps to increase the oxygen and the blood flow through that tissue, whereas... Those areas are often deprived of oxygen if we're sucking in all the time or if we're breathing really shallow breaths, especially with our culture and with um, athletes or even just, again, just our culture of um, wearing tighter clothing or feeling like we have to have a flat stomach. Mm. Women are always sucking in. Okay. And that can deprive the area of oxygen. Letting that area expand and contract. Yes, yes. Um, Another thing that is big is... If you are exercising, especially if you're weightlifting or if you're jumping a lot, making sure you're breathing with exertion. So on these, when you're squatting, if you're lifting a really heavy weight, making sure you're not holding your breath all the time. Gotcha. Um, when you hold your breath, it forces a lot of pressure down through the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And that pressure can start to cause issues of heaviness or pain in the pelvic floor, leakage issues. Mm. Um so being conscious of breathing with your exercises, exhaling on the exertional part of the activity to prevent that force through the pelvic floor. Okay. It's like one thing we'll teach people is like, and help me if, I, if I'm, let me make sure I'm like teaching this correctly. So we'll teach people how to take diaphragmic breaths. Mm-hmm. Then we'll teach people how to like engage their core with holding their breath. And then we go, okay, now we want you to engage your core and keep breathing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They're like they're learning how to like be stable but still breathe through through movement. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. No, so I can that's make good. a good checklist. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we got breath, learning how to breathe diaphragmically, mm-hmm. uh, and letting that cube do its thing. Uh-huh. Okay. And then what are some other stuff? Um something that we that is also really important is making sure you have good hip movement, hip mobility, okay. and low back mobility. So we typically, people can turn their hips outward mm-hmm. a lot, <laughs> yep. but we don't have as much range turning inward. Yep. So keeping good mobility in your hips and in your low back is going to be very healthy and helpful for the yep. pelvic floor to make sure those muscles are moving and functioning well. Um, something I would also recommend is... I think especially as women, we hear all the time to do Kegels. Mm-hmm. Um, a Kegel 
typically when we think of a Kegel, it's when you just like tighten your pelvic floor a lot. And yeah. people think that is what prevents any kind of pelvic floor problem. Gotcha. Often that is opposite of what people actually need. Mm. So something that we recommend a lot, even if you don't feel like you have a pelvic floor problem or any blaring issues, it can be helpful to see a pelvic floor therapist, even just one time. Mm, just to get some to, like feedback. on that Yeah. Problem. To learn about that yeah. part of their body, to figure out what their muscles are actually doing, and then to get some tips on how to improve their function or their coordination of that area as they go on with their day-to-day activities. I think that the thing about Kegels that you don't quite realize is like, and if you're breathing correctly and bracing correctly, like you're kind of doing them in your exercise already to a degree. You know what I mean? Like you may not be focused a hundred percent on isolating this movement, but like I'm still contracting all those muscles while I'm doing right stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? And what we want to make sure is that they can then relax afterwards. Yeah. You turn um, it on and turn it off. Yes, okay. yes. We yeah. want those muscles to be really strong, absolutely. But we also want to make sure those muscles can fully relax after the repetition or after the exercise so that when you leave the gym, you're not walking around all the time with everything just tensed up the whole rest of the day. So it sounds like you're saying that training in a functional way is kind of a the – the, the resolution to the problem. In other words, saying training in a way that addresses mobility, that addresses mm-hmm. proper breathing, right. that addresses um, proper bracing, mm-hmm. uh, and then being able to have awareness of that. Yes, yes. And awareness of like how to, how to turn it on, how to contract it, and how to turn it off and relax it. Yes. And so like, I mean, it's, it's funny as it sounds, it's like, somewhat is a solution to most issues. It's like, yeah, if you have, if let's say you got a shoulder problem, like the solution's probably not do nothing. Right. Right. The solution's probably not also keep doing what you're doing. The solution's like, well, let's look at how you're training and you may not be doing it in a very optimal way. Right. It's not that training is causing issues. It's just, you're not training in a in a way that's helping you're training in a way that's hurting right let's create some awareness of that and then address it and then you can go forward and yes it should be good yeah okay the pelvic floor <laughs> is truly just like any other area of the body it's muscles it's ligaments it's tissues it's nerves just like any other part of the body that have to um contract well relax well coordinate with each other we have to think about that area of our body and usually that is the the foundational thing just realizing that that is an area of the body that does so much for us and just um, connecting to that area of our body and learning how to be aware of when we're holding a lot of tension, when we're sucking in our stomach, if we're clenching our glutes all the time, if we're holding our breath all the time, all of those things, as we just become more aware of those things, that is kind of the foundation for um, starting to have a healthier pelvic floor. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about... So I'm, I'm assuming all that applies to everyone. Yes. Yeah. Uh, pre-pregnancy. Yes. Um, now, let's talk about, is there stuff that people need to be aware of, like, once they find out they're pregnant? Because <clears throat> you're going to, because obviously that's causing some physiological changes in this anatomy. Yeah. So let's talk through that. Yeah. So. Um, and it, oh, sorry. And, and in an abrupt change. In, in childbirth. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like an instantaneous, you don't have that anymore. Yes. 
uh, our bodies change so much during yeah. pregnancy and it is encouraged to continue exercising during pregnancy. That is something that is healthy. It's recommended even by doctors. Um, but we want to make sure you're doing that and continuing to do that in a safe way yeah. for your body. And that doesn't look the same for every single yeah. person. Um, during pregnancy, your posture is changing a lot. Uh, the hormones in your body are changing a lot. Obviously, your center of gravity is changing yep. um, as the baby gets bigger and as your posture changes. So we encourage continue. If you have been exercising prior to pregnancy, um, it's encouraged that you continue exercising within that same mode. So yeah. if you've been running, you can keep running. Yeah. If you love CrossFit, you can keep doing CrossFit. However, let's listen to your body and modify where needed. Yeah. So if you're starting to feel pain, um, let's back off of running or let's do a run-walk interval. If you're doing CrossFit and you're starting to feel pain or you're starting to have leakage, I'm not going to tell you, oh, you just got to stop cold turkey, but let's find ways to modify so you can keep doing the things you love, but in a way that's protecting your body yeah. and preventing symptoms. And that would be, I mean, that's, that's similar for really any not that this is an injury, but any injury issue would be like the solution is probably not to stop doing it all together. It's to kind of yes. shift, figure out what you can keep doing pain free. And then, you know, either address the issue or, or in pregnancy, just like realize like it's not forever at some point. Yes. You won't be pregnant anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, something too, that's important especially as you get further along into pregnancy, obviously your belly is expanding. Your core is naturally getting weaker. Your hips are getting weaker. So we want to work on specific things to stabilize the lower abdominal muscles, to stabilize the hip muscles. And that doesn't look like a bunch of crunches or a bunch yeah. of planks. Um, there are specific core exercises that we teach and okay. that we recommend during pregnancy so that you maintain a strong core, but also you're putting yourself at less risk for strain yeah. through the abdomen or hernia or separation of um, the larger abdominal muscles. Probably good to just be aware is like, hey, like you're you're gonna have these changes. This is probably not the time to go for like your one rep maxes. Yes. Yes. Can you share what some of those exercises are? Yeah, so um, there's a muscle, you don't have to remember this word, but there's a muscle deep in the core. It's the a very low muscle in the abdomen. It's called the transversus abdominis. Yeah. That muscle is so important, whether you're pregnant or not. Okay. It's important for men and women, but specifically during pregnancy, it's really important to keep um, some good transverse abdominis strength. Okay. That muscle is going to help support your pelvic floor. That muscle supports your back. That muscle provides support to the pubic bone. So the pubic bone um, or the pubic joint is the junction uh, or the hard bone that you feel at the front of your pelvis, yep. um, that area is one of the main areas that starts to become a little bit more lax during pregnancy. Okay. And it is supposed to. That yep. is a very normal thing. So you can push a baby through. Yes, that baby's got to come through. <laughs> so that yep. um, laxity or um, the expansion of that area is good right. and normal. But we want to keep good stability within that yeah. to prevent pain. Yeah. So the transverse abdominis helps with that stabilization. Um, diastasis recti is another really common 
okay. occurrence during pregnancy. That's when the 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 space that little um, space between your abdominal muscles expands. Yes. Yep. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. yeah. So diastasis again, it's a really common and a normal thing during pregnancy. Diastasis in itself is not bad or wrong. It's your body's natural response to a growing baby. But we do want to keep your body as strong and stable as possible, even if diastasis is occurring. So while, um, like you said, diastasis occurs when basically the linea alba, it is um, a ligamentous structure that joins the large abdominal muscles together Mm -hmm. um, on the right and the left. So diastasis is when the linea alba starts to separate. Again, that is a normal occurrence, but what happens is if we don't pay attention to that and if we keep working out at a really high level, if we're straining the abdomen, if we're doing things that are putting a lot of pressure and force through the middle of our abdomen, it can make that separation much worse Mm. than it really has to be. Is there a risk of hernia there? There is. There is. Um, so we want to keep the transverse abdominis strong so that even if that separation is occurring, we're maintaining good pressure control through the abdomen. Um, it helps with recovery. So working on core and hip stability during pregnancy is going to aid in recovering faster because those muscles already know how to activate. They've been working out for nine months. Um, so that when you jump back into exercise, they kind of know how to kick in a little bit faster. So, like, what are your go-to exercises for targeting, like, those those areas? Um, so, we start really simple, basically just teaching you how to engage transverse abdominis first. Okay, so, like so, laying on your this. back. Yep. <clears throat> laying, typically, I have them laying on their back or on their side and teach them how to find that muscle okay. and isolate that muscle away from the other larger abdominal muscles. Once they can find that muscle and isolate that muscle, then we can start working on tightening the transverse abdominis and marching the feet or tightening transverse abdominis and doing a squat, Mm. Um, tightening transverse abdominis and doing um, like a modified side plank or a modified push-up. Gotcha. Um, so really that muscle translates into a lot of the so different really you're, you're kind of teaching them to like isolate and be aware of it, build the kind of mind muscle connection mm-hmm. and then maintain that through your normal functional movements. Yes. Okay. Yep. Very cool. I like it. Okay. Um, so initially kind of, you, you know, if you've been exercising and you're pregnant, like you can, for the most part, continue to do, uh, same stuff to be aware um, mm-hmm. of any pain and, and, and just be aware that you're going to have some laxity in your joints. You're going to have kind of this going on, have some, um, have some awareness so that you can have a good approach. And then as you go throughout pregnancies, you kind of get into your you know third trimester. What are your, what are your suggestions for exercise throughout that? Yeah. Let me back up just yep. a little bit. You talking made me think about this yep. throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, even if you're continuing to work out and in the same mode that you've been working out, previously still even if you're feeling great no symptoms no pain um rest rest time and increasing your rest interval is so important gotcha uh warming up for a longer time before working out is important cooling down for a longer time is important so even if you're feeling great um, i highly encourage you to take more time gradually increasing your heart rate heart rate on the front end gradually decreasing your heart rate on the back end, taking more rest intervals in between, drinking yeah. a lot more water yeah. than you probably normally would. Um, Just a kind of awareness of like, 
keep doing it, but like the goal right here is not to stress your body to the max. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's to be fit and be a and, and be a fit, healthy mom who who is ready to deliver her baby and ready to to, to kick ass after after that. Yes. <laughs> Versus like hitting training PRs. Yeah, you're not <laughs> trying to win a gold medal here. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Um third trimester though, good yeah. question. Third trimester is when um if you're feeling good, I do want you to keep exercising. Yeah. However, uh, third trimester is when I often do recommend decreasing weight. Yeah. So doing more body weight exercises or using more resistance bands for weight as opposed to heavy dumbbells yeah. or barbells. Um, often decreasing the impact on your pelvic floor. So maybe like jumps the, or jumping yeah, rope or jumping, running. jump rope, box jumps. Um, Typically in the third trimester, especially as we get into the 30, 35 weeks, you're going to feel a lot more pelvic pressure right. as the baby starts to descend. So a lot of impact, especially the heavy jumps or the repetitive jump roping. I'm not saying don't do those things, but be aware if you have a lot of pelvic pressure, heaviness, um, if you're having more hip and low back pain, a good time to decrease gotcha. intensity scale back a little bit work more on healthy stability so keeping your pelvic floor strong and coordinated keeping the transverse abdominis coordinated doing even more um yoga and stretching yeah. you want your muscles to be flexible yeah. and to be mobile to allow the baby to come yeah. out of the vaginal canal yeah i also have, i mean i've never been pregnant but i've had a wife who's been pregnant three times <laughs> and uh but like in that third trimester, it's like that back pain is not getting better. Right. So if you piss it off, <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Yeah. It's sticking with you for another you know fifteen <laughs> days or whatever. It's just like you know, like you just got to be smart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, <laughs> one of the things that I try to stress to my patients so much is that you. Their bodies are so strong. Yeah. And I think a hard thing with women who love to work out um, and who are used to working out or even competing um, or challenging them, whether they're challenging themselves or competing against other people, you automatically think, well, gosh, I'm just weak. Like, I'm not able to do what I used to be able to do. And yeah. I hate that. Yeah. And I, I reiterate to them all the time, you are so strong. You realize what your body is doing? Like, yeah. you are growing a human yeah. and you're about to birth a human. And that is incredible. Like, your <laughs> body is supporting you so much right now. And it's going to be best and healthiest for you long term yeah. and healthiest for the baby if you scale back just a little bit or if you modify things yeah. and then later hope hopefully the goal is always that we can get back into the level that you were doing previously. So what would you tell someone? So let's say someone's like, man, I'm pregnant and I just been kind of putting this exercise thing off because it's been so busy. But like, I want to be a healthy fit mom. Like I, uh, what would you tell that person? She find, just finds out she's pregnant and also at the same time has this kind of epiphany. Like I should probably exercise. Yeah. Is it like, is it safe to start exercising if you haven't been, once you find out you're pregnant? Yeah, that's a really great question too. Um, absolutely, it's okay to start exercising once you become pregnant, but it is going to look different than it would for those who've already been exercising at a high level. Yeah. So we do encourage you to get into an exercise routine, but it's going to be a lot slower. Yeah. It's going to be a lot more gradual. Um, 
the recommended range for anyone during pregnancy, the recommended range for your heart rate max to be at during exercise while pregnant is 50 to 70% of your heart rate max. If you have not been exercising prior to becoming pregnant, as you do gradually get into some exercise during pregnancy, you're going to want to stay closer to that 50% heart rate max range. So, so for most people, that's probably going to be like 80 to 100 or 90 to 100 beats per minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the 50% would be. So um, so it's going to look more gradual, yeah. um, more higher rest intervals, yeah. um, a lot less weight that you're using, more body weight, uh, more stabilization so just working on finding the transverse abdominis um strengthening your glutes so yeah. the the muscles all around your booty and your hips yeah. those muscles are really important to stay strong and stable so that's kind of that that foundational level of core and hip yeah. and pelvic stability is where i would start working with someone who wants to jump into into exercise yeah. during pregnancy, um, working on developing a good walking plan yeah. or um, interval training. So if they're wanting to get into some jogging, we're not just going to jump into running for 10 minutes at a time, right. but like working on an interval plan to get them into some walk run intervals or um, biking intervals. Yeah based on what they're wanting to do. And I would even think like even beyond just like the physiological aspects of it, it's like more important than anything. It's like, let's just get some of these habits in place. Yes. Because yeah. uh, look, it gets, it's harder. Like once you have kids running around, it's, it's harder. So like yeah. the sooner you can establish these habits and the kind of in, in, install these values and kind of like your life and how you do things, uh, it's better. Maybe during pregnancy, you're not going <clears> to, <throat> it's not going to be this like, full board crazy transformation thing like that's not what that's not what your goal is your goal is to have a healthy yes. pregnancy and produce a, a healthy baby that you can mother well yep but you can install habits now and install physiological changes that will benefit you post-pregnancy yeah absolutely okay yep all right so baby comes and now son we're not pregnant anymore now yeah. what do we do yeah so this is this is, I think, a hard area for some women to accept, okay. but this is so important. Um, we recommend that you, after delivery, whether it is vaginal or C-section, and okay. that is an important piece. Okay. No matter what the mode of delivery is, we recommend that you wait at least six weeks to have any type of um, vaginal penetration and also to start really exercising and activating all those muscles again. Yeah. Um, if you think I like to refer or, um, relate it to like, if you sprain your ankle, yeah. if you sprain your ankle, you're going to be in a boot for a little while. When you get out of that boot, you're not just going to jump back into running 10 Ks yeah. or doing a bunch of box jumps. The first day you get back into the gym, yeah. you're going to gradually increase your activity again. Yeah. So think of that like six week, six to eight week period postpartum as your boot. You're yeah. in a boot, you're in a cast. And it really serves the same purpose. You're in the boot, so your tissue will heal. Yes, yes. And six weeks is about the tissue healing pro process yes. or a timeline. And that's why, I mean, I'm assuming that's why that's the, yes. that's the timeline. It's a timeline for everything. Yes. Any type of surgery or any type of tissue issue, it's always 
Let that thing heal for six weeks. Yeah. Okay. So for nine months, you've been carrying this baby. Your tissues are changing. Your hormones are changing. There's a lot more load on the pelvic and abdominal and back yeah. area. So nine months, you have a lot of changes happening. Then you deliver a baby, which in itself is this amazing, like incredible event, yeah. but it is hard on your body. Um, so that six week period, at least six weeks is really crucial for the tissues to heal and for the collagen in your tissues to turn over and for the muscles to plump up again. Um, but then at that six week mark, it's not jumping straight back into whatever you were already doing. So let me ask you this in that six weeks, is it, you don't do anything or are you still kind of like, are you like maybe going like, I'm, I'm being aware of, of my muscles. I can contract them and just kind of like get some proprioception going. Is it that, or is it like, nah, just lay off of it. Um, in that six week period, I encourage a lot of the diaphragmatic breathing. Okay. So connecting back to that yeah. area of your body, breathing into your abdomen, breathing into your pelvic floor, thinking and being aware of those okay. areas and then some gentle stretching. So okay. keeping your, your tissues mobile. Yeah. I'm not going to do a crazy intense stretch yeah, because yeah. again, we are wanting your tissues to heal, but working on um, some mobility of your hips and your back. Yeah. Um, walking is fine. Those things are okay at a low intensity level. We just think of like, even like, I mean, uh, any type of prior human existence up into the last hundred years, like you're going to have to be physically active. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. and, 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 and even now, like if you have any, if you have more than one kid, like <laughs> you're physically active yes. the day after yes. you had a new baby, you're going to be walking, yeah. you're going to be lifting groceries, yeah. you're going to be lifting your baby or babies, plural, yeah. um, if you have multiple kids. So you're going to be doing those, um, daily life activities, but as far as formal exercise or um, running where there's yeah. a lot of repetitive hard impact on that area of your body, core exercises where you're contracting all of those muscles that just did a lot of work for you, yeah. um, contracting or tightening the pelvic floor a lot. Those are the tissues we're trying to heal. So okay. we want to lay off of like in, intentional or really conscious, like tightening exercises of that region of the body. Gotcha. So we're not jumping on the floor and doing like six minute abs. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and then at that six week mark, as you start getting into more formal exercise, we'll call it that, um, as you get into more of a formal exercise program or kind of get your routine back, we're going to go gradually. Yep. So we want to make sure, can you engage your transverse abdominis again? Yeah. Because it's going to feel different than it did when you were pregnant. Yeah. So can you engage that muscle? Can you engage your pelvic floor? Not just tightening it, but can you also relax it too? Um, how are your hips? Are your hips stable? Are they in a good, do they have strength enough yeah. to start doing box jumps or to start running? Yeah. Most likely not. So yeah. we're probably going to work a lot on the front end on just building back up some strength and coordination and then slowly getting back into the level of intensity okay. that you want to be at. Gotcha. So just like any, any type of in, uh, injury rehabilitation process, it's like, we're going to let the tissue heal. We're going to build yeah. these kind of foundational strengths that are necessary to do the, the higher level performance stuff. And we're going to just slowly build back into that, that, previous performance level. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as impact, um, repetitive impact and walking is fine, but the impact of running yeah. or repetitive jumping, um, 
for that, we actually recommend waiting until 14 weeks postpartum okay. to it. return to that intense impact Gotcha. because that is such a large load on the pelvic floor. Yeah. And we have to make sure you gain good stability and endurance of those muscles before you go out and run a 5k. Gotcha. Yeah. Thousand percent. Okay. Um, so I think, <clears throat> I mean, um, in my experience, I think that the biggest kind of issues I would say I see I would like to hear from women or just be like I, I pee myself mm-hmm. you know like like um if it's uh double unders in the workout they're like every single person who's had a baby is like ah let me go to the bathroom real quick right, you know, right. I empty this before I get out there so what would you say to those women like one is like is that normal is it ideal and then if someone didn't want that to happen what would you tell them yeah um, so leakage is very, very common, but it is not normal. Okay. Not normal as in, I don't want you to live with that the rest of your life. Not and normal you is like, that's not the way your body's supposed to function. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And we can absolutely resolve it. It is something that should be able to be resolved. I've had, um, 80 year olds come in the clinic who've had leakage for years and years and years, and it's been completely resolved because your body wants to support you and it wants to function yeah. properly. Sometimes it just needs a little help, needs yeah. a little pat on the back. Man, what was there? I feel like if I was like eighty and finally stopped peeing, you know, peeing, I'd be like, "Why the hell did no one tell me about yes. this forty years ago?" And that <laughs> is their response. They're like, "Why didn't anyone tell me about this? Or why didn't I know about this?" Um, so my encouragement to women now, no matter what your age is, yeah. is come get help or ask someone for help because it's it is something that absolutely can be resolved yeah. for. Um, specifically like, what would I tell those women, especially in the setting of working out or double unders CrossFit? Um, a lot of times there is a, a weakness component, Mm -hmm. but truly again, I talked about this earlier, but more often than not, I see that the muscles are just very uncoordinated. So especially postpartum, what I see a lot is that if you think of like your bicep, um, your bicep should be able to tighten fully and then relax fully. Yeah. What I see a lot is that the pelvic floor is almost like a door stuck on its hinges. It's like, so mm. it's like right here in this middle ground, it can tighten a little bit, relax a little bit, but it's not able to go through that full range of motion. Yeah. So when you're doing a double under, or if you do a box jump, or if you do like a sudden movement with a heavy weight, or just that's like a quick, nope a quick movement, then your muscles often don't have the, um, they're not able to contract quickly enough or fully enough. So they may tighten a little bit, but it's not enough to support the pelvic floor as strong as it should. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Let me ask you this. And and since I uh, live all day, every day in the fitness world, is, is leakage common amongst people who don't exercise often like are they exposing themselves to things that cause that or is it like if they're not exercising are they are they having that issue or or is it just like that one time a cat jumped down and scared me and I jumped and I peed my pants a little bit like right. and, and they don't and they don't connect it as like a pelvic floor issue like what what, what do you hear from that sense because I know fitness women connect it they say yeah, like instantaneously, yeah, yeah. like I've had kids that makes me do this. Yeah. <clears throat> but then people who don't exercise, there's that same connection. Um, 
when people if people don't exercise and especially if they have not had kids they often they really don't know what's going on they're like what's wrong with me why am i leaking all of a sudden and often they don't connect it to the pelvic floor just because they don't know what the pelvic floor is most of us um if you're not in um, a healthcare setting, or if you're not around people who are talking about this, which a lot of people aren't, yeah. most of us don't even think about that area of our body. Yeah. So maybe you're not exercising a lot, or maybe you haven't had kids. You start sneezing, and gradually over a couple months, you realize, gosh, I'm starting to leak more and more. Like the more I sneeze or cough or laugh, like I'm noticing that this leakage is a problem. Yeah. And they often don't really know why. They can't figure out what the association is. Okay. Um, and that's why we're here. We want yeah. to tell people about the pelvic floor and that there's help for these things. Yeah. And when it seems like there's almost like two different messages, like one is to the one is to the person who maybe doesn't exercise and said like, hey, if this is occurring, like you need to know like this isn't optimal and you can fix this yeah and then it's to the the people who are exercising and it may be like hey while this is common because i feel like it is very common it's not optimal yeah and you can fix this yes yeah you know that would be the 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 message right absolutely and even for women who or for people who aren't exercising um still leakage it's still a very common thing yeah but still not normal so i just don't know if they expose themselves to like like you said, I was trying to think of the, the, the times where it would happen. You're just like sneezing, laughing. Yeah, yeah. sneezing, that would cause that, like, laughing. Right. Also, yeah. sometimes it's when they have a full bladder and they're like trying to make it to the bathroom uh, and they don't quite make it in time. Gotcha. Even a, that is something okay. that we, we work with a lot. Um, that sudden urge that hits you and then your heart rate is up and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to make it to the bathroom. <laughs> and then stuff starts coming out a little bit too early. We treat those symptoms all the time. Okay. Gotcha. Um, is there, so is there any hesitancy amongst women to like address this? And and if so, why do you think that is? And then what would you say to them? Yeah. Um, I think there is some hesitancy one, just because a lot of women haven't heard about pelvic floor physical therapy. And then when they do hear about it, they're like, well, gosh, what is that? Like, I've never heard about it. Is this weird? Um, is this like a new thing? Do they really know what they're doing? Um, pelvic floor physical therapy has actually been around for a long time, but unfortunately it is, um, an area of the body that we don't talk about a whole lot. And in our culture, they're taboo things to talk about. So finally now, even though this specialty has been around for a long time, the awareness of it is increasing. Um, people are talking about it more. Doctors are talking about it more. Um, friend groups and even uh, like mom groups on Facebook are talking about it more. People at the gym are talking about it more and it's starting to become a topic that is not as taboo because people are realizing, wait, we're all struggling with something. Like I'm not alone. I'm not crazy for having this issue where a lot of us have the same symptoms and what can we do about it? Yeah. Um, So I think there is some hesitancy just because people aren't as familiar with this type of physical therapy, but um, the more people talk about it and the more awareness there is, I think the easier it's becoming for women to, to come to an appointment because they're like, okay, my friend did it. I can do it too. It's really not that bad. A thousand percent. I mean, that's why we're having the podcast, uh, right. so to get more people right. to be aware of it. Yeah. And now I was thinking like, I think the, I think the like incontinence thing, 
that's almost like, yeah, I'm almost kind of forced to talk about it because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I go to the bathroom. Today. Right. Like, well, like, you know, like, I was like, what was that? Like, yeah. ah, I just, you know, we got, I sneezed and I peed a little bit. You right. Know, like, oh, and that, that kind of brings up that conversation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it would almost seem like, like some of like the, uh, the pain in sex would probably be something like you, you wouldn't bring up with your friends. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. man, every time I since I've had my kids, like I can't have sex because it hurts really bad. Yes. That's like, maybe not something you bring up with like anyone who's not like your really close friend. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so that that might be like a, a limiting factor too. And just For I sure. think you know people kind of have an awareness like hey, like sex is supposed to feel good. It's not supposed to right. hurt. So exactly. if it hurts, like that's dysfunction. Yes. Yes. And we can typically yes. do something about that. Yes. Even things like um, menstrual cramping yeah. or um, like cramping during ovulation, tailbone pain, deep hip pain that yeah. you're like, gosh, I don't know where this is coming from. No one can figure it out. Those yeah. are things that people often don't associate with the pelvic floor. That's what I was also thinking about. I was like, if you're lower, if you're like, man, I got some lower yes. back pain, and oh, I'm just like working out weird, and but then you, you would you would go to probably an orthopedist. Yes, yeah. And they would be like, okay, we're gonna figure out what your orthopedic problem is. Let's do an X-ray. I don't see anything on the X-ray. Let's put you into the PT, and you'd be like doing all this stuff that probably wasn't addressing your issue. Right. <laughs> we had a client one time who, funny story, he had foot pain. Went to the orthopedic. Uh-huh. And say, hey, you're, you're here for a foot pain issue. It must be an orthopedic issue. Just diagnose it as an orthopedic issue. He was, like, there for six months. Oh and then he just, like, happened to have a do- uh, appointment with this, like, um, his, like, general practitioner. He's like, yeah, my foot kind of hurts. The guy's like, let's do a blood test. Oh, you got gout. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> yes. So we see a lot with the pelvic floor. It's, it's like, like people have gone through all these different avenues to try to figure out why they're having tailbone pain yeah. or hip pain or back pain. And then it's the pelvic floor yeah. and it's been that the whole time. And I think like, that's probably one of those, like if you, if you, if you have that connect, like the more connected you are with your body, you have like this awareness of like, like I know what back pain feels like. And this is like, it's not that like it's radiating there and I'm feeling it there. Yeah. It's not the normal back pain. You know what I mean? Right. But if you don't have that communication with your body, you're just like, oh, my back hurts. Right. Everyone's back hurts. Right, right. <laughs> um, what I would tell someone is if you are having back or hip or tailbone pain or even pain like in your inner thigh area yeah. or in the front of your hips, um, if you're seeking other treatment options that aren't working, yeah. if you've if you've really kind of sought out other treatments and you've stuck with it consistently for several weeks and you're not seeing any change, um, I would consider the pelvic floor yeah. or consider another option of treatment because there's probably something that's being missed. The foundational or the root cause of your symptoms is is not being addressed if you're not seeing results or if you're not getting any change. It, I mean, it just sounds like regardless, it would be beneficial for women to go and at least see a pelvic floor specialist so they can... So you can create some inner body awareness yes. and communication with those muscles that you may not have that with. with. And like, yes. even if you don't have issues, like it'd be good to go and, and learn to have better control. Yeah. And like how to, and what's kind of going on. Yes. You know? I love when I see patients, they come in, um, Typically, at the beginning of treatment, we just talk. I really just want to hear what patient's symptoms are. I want to hear what their history is and set a plan together. And I love when patients come in and they're like, 
I don't really have any problems, I don't think, but I just, <laughs> I want to make sure I'm doing okay down there yeah. or in my core area. Yeah. Um, and I love that because people are coming preventatively yeah. um, and we're working on stability and coordination and awareness of part of the body that they probably weren't very aware of before. And we're hopefully um, finding problems at the very beginning and addressing it quickly yeah. or preventing problems from happening in the first place. A thousand percent. That's the easier path to take. Yes, much easier. <laughs> do y'all do y'all communicate much with like uh, OBGYNs at all? And like, is there a pretty good relationship there where like the OB is like, hey, look, um, I think you should go see this person. Yeah. Now, I'm here to I'm here to do this stuff, but like I don't do that stuff, and this could benefit you. Yeah, we do have a really good relationship with a lot of OBGYNs around town. We're really thankful for that. Um, OBGYNs are referring a lot of patients to us during pregnancy or postpartum or not having anything to do with pregnancy at all. Yeah. Like if if women are having um, issues or pain or leakage or um, bowel problems, we're seeing a lot of OBGYNs and other doctors refer patients to us That's and good. and we're in good communication with them. We nice. we talk back and forth, we get their feedback, they're getting our feedback so that we can treat a patient holistically and work together as a team to yeah. give a patient the best absolute outcome. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. Uh, for a guy, same symptoms? Symptoms for a guy can be very similar. Yes. Okay. So leakage issue, urinary leakage or fecal incontinence or um, having trouble starting the stream of urine. So mm. maybe your stream is uh, stop and start yeah. or you have a lot of hesitancy. So you're like having to like sit there for a minute or yeah. stay in there for a minute and like really concentrate to start the stream in the first place. Okay. Um, pelvic pain, yep. uh, pain in the tailbone, pain in the penis, pain um, in the scrotal area, okay. any pain in that area or erectile dysfunction, uh, low back pain, okay. abdominal pain, yep. cramping, um, all of those things, constipation, yep. all of those things are pelvic floor symptoms that we treat all the time. So I'm assuming same general causes as well, minus pregnancy. Yep. 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 Mu usually some kind of muscle dysfunction, either things are too tight and restricted yeah. or things are really weak or they're just uncoordinated. So yeah. not knowing when to contract or yeah. when to relax appropriately. Um, there could be, um, so there's tissue, we call it myofascial tissue yep. all throughout the body the myofascial tissue can become very restricted yeah. and even the, the restriction in that connective tissue can cause a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction okay. and restrict the muscles from, from functioning and coordinating optimally. Just like any other muscle in the body. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Does Mojo see males? Yes. Y'all do? We, okay. Yes. We see males, um, a lot. And okay. thankfully it is becoming more and more common for men to, I think, for women to find out about this and for it to become more popular for women is fantastic. Yeah. And now we're finally seeing a shift where more men are talking about it uh -huh. and more men are coming to see us. Yeah. Um, and I know it, it seems harder for a man to want to come because they feel alone or they yeah. feel like, what's wrong with me? I'm the only one who has this problem. Yeah. This is embarrassing. But well, you don't truly, have the pregnancy because you don't, I mean, I'm assuming that the, these problems are occur in a, in a higher percentage of women because of pregnancy. Sure. Or maybe yeah. not in guys where you don't have that, like, 
trigger of like exactly yes i I was pregnant and i didn't pee myself and then i had a kid and now i do pee myself and the guy's like it's often not a clear association of like what caused this right um but for men to understand that like we've been saying this whole time it's just another part of the body it is muscles it is tissue it is ligaments and nerves just like any other part of the body and it is very common for men even to have some kind of dysfunction or pain in that area and we want we want to resolve that because that isn't normal and it's not something that a man should have to live with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, knowing that you can fix those things, it's like, Oh man, like that's that, that of all the things that you yes. would potentially live with. That doesn't sound like one that I, mean, I would want to. No, <laughs> you know, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, all right. About to wrap this up. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd want to discuss or, or share with everyone or think women should, should know? Yeah. Um, I think I would just say, Pelvic floor issues are so, so common. Yeah. And we we want to empower you in your own body. So um, a lot of these issues are things that aren't talked about a lot. Um, but what we say at Mojo is that there's no TMI with us. Okay. Like the TMI conversations are our bread and butter. Yeah. Like these are Tell the things that we talk about all day, yeah. every day. And we love being able to empower men and women in their own bodies. Um, and this, these are areas that are, they're crucial to life. They're crucial to you being able to function day in and day out. And, um, we encourage you, um, to not be nervous, not feel scared, not feel like you're abnormal because you are not, you are not abnormal. Um, your body is doing a lot to support you and we want to help you um, or we want to help your body learn to support you even better. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with you. Awesome. Um, how can people get in contact with y'all? Yeah. Um, we have a website. It's mojoph.com. Okay. Um, we also have social media. So if you type in Mojo Pelvic Health on Instagram, you'll find us. Um, we have a Facebook page. We have our um, website. On the website, you can see all of our locations. So we're really spread throughout town. We want to be as accessible as possible to people. So we have a lot of different locations around town and even into South Haven. Um, We have even a location in Jackson, Mississippi. So we're spreading our wings further. You can find all of our locations on the website and then schedule an appointment or just um, learn more about us and talk to someone on the phone if you're interested in an appointment or don't really know what to think, you can call the number that's on the website just to get in contact with us and figure out what it's all about and what your next steps are. Awesome. I love it. Thanks for coming on, Anna. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. MBS Fitness Radio out. Thank you for listening to NBS Fitness Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.